Welcome to Day 2 Cloud. And today, we're talking to someone who maybe doesn't like the cloud all that much. You could even say that she hates the cloud. We've got Melissa Palmer. She's the senior technologist and team lead over at Veeam. And she might have a bone to pick with cloud. What, what stuck out to you there, Ethan? It's not so much that she has a bone to pick with cloud. It's how people use the cloud, the hype of the cloud, the dumb decisions people make around cloud. And the rage monster comes out a little bit, Ned. The rage monster comes out with Melissa. Yeah. Uh, and there's lots of wheels being spun. And if you're not sure what that's all about, well, you're about to find out. So enjoy this show with Melissa Palmer from Veeam. Melissa, welcome to Day 2 Cloud. Before we get into the topic of why you think cloud is awful and terrible and no one should ever use it, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about yourself and what you do? Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me on this cloud podcast. I was very excited to get your invitation. My name is Melissa Palmer. You might actually know me as Vemus. I blog over at vemus.net on a lot of different IT infrastructure type of stuff. And I am currently a senior technologist and team lead at Veeam Software. Awesome. So as we all know, cloud is like the best thing ever. We, we know that. That's, that's just an undisputed fact. It represents everything that is great and incredible in the world. So tell me, Melissa, why do you hate things that are awesome? Well, how about first you tell me, why is the cloud really that amazing? If you want a serious answer and not, not the flippant marketing answer, in my estimation, the thing I like about cloud the most is the availability of APIs to construct services and the fact that I can do it in an on-demand fashion and experiment with new features and services. Those are very valid reasons to like the cloud. However, not everybody has the same reasons to like the cloud. And what you kind of stated, those might not actually be requirements for everybody. And they might go in thinking, okay, I can do all this good stuff, but do I actually need to do it, right? Do they really need to do that to accelerate their business? Some cases, yes. Some cases, no. It's kind of like the classic IT answer of it depends. <laughs> Doesn't it always depend? It always depends. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we can back up and, and we'll set the stage a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we all encountered the cloud in different ways and maybe had some different impressions in our first experience. So tell me, how did you first encounter the cloud and what was your impression? You know, I was thinking about this this morning. I'm trying to remember the year that the cloud took off from a kind of buzzword perspective. And I want to say maybe like 2010, 2011, somewhere in that range. I know mm -hmm. it was before 2012. I know that for sure. I can't remember exactly when. It was like, you know, CIO Magazine had this great article and the cloud and everybody read it and we have to go do the cloud. And I remember sitting with some of my coworkers and we were actually in the data center and we're all like looking at each other. We're like, but we are the cloud because at the time the company I worked for was one of the top five biggest VMware implementations in the world. So, you know, they're telling us all the stuff this, this cloud is and it's going to do for you. It's like, but we, we do all of that already here. So why are we going crazy over the cloud? And that's kind of what put the first bad taste into my mouth about the cloud, right? And not even a bad taste, but just the hype factor, right? Oh, cloud this, cloud this, cloud this, cloud this. And I kind of saw this hype factor going and going and going. And I think we still have it today. And I think a lot of people don't even ask themselves why they are using the cloud. They're just, I'm going to do the cloud because it's cool. 
Well, contextualizing, going back to the time frame you're talking about, Melissa, back in 2010, there was a lot of hype around it. These offerings were not mature. What cloud even meant was up for discussion. And if you fast forward to now, I think a lot of the hype, a lot of the promise has been delivered, even though it's still a rapidly evolving service. So maybe <laughs> there's somewhat less ridiculous hype than there was. Do you? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's completely ridiculous anymore. But again, it comes back to why. Why are you going to move the cloud? What benefit is going to the cloud going to give you? I'm asking why a lot, but how? How do you get there, right? Just because the CIO says, oh, our new directive is to go to the cloud and everybody's scrambling to make it happen. Are, are people really having the right discussions to get there in the right way? So are you asking why, in part, going back to your very early days impression, hey, we're already delivering a lot of the same services and functionality that this so-called upstart cloud is delivering. So why bother? Do you, do you still feel that way today, that we can deliver on-prem? You absolutely could, but you know, there's different things to think about now, especially in the last year. So right, let's say I was 100% on-prem. What if I can't get into the data center to rack and stack new equipment? What if there's supply chain issues and I literally cannot get the hosts I need to expand my vSphere cluster? So there absolutely are use cases for the cloud. There are absolutely are drawbacks for staying 100% on-premises these days. So I don't feel like it's all kind of hype anymore, but I feel like a lot of people still do get lost in the hype and maybe they're doing themselves a disservice by doing that. Right. So in your case, you were delivering all this functionality, oh, yeah. cloud-like functionality at your organization. But there's lots of organizations that have very dysfunctional data centers that might not be delivering all these things. <laughs> so it's, for me, it seems like cloud is a slam dunk because, you know, you've got a dumpster fire on-prem. You might as well move <laughs> to the, the angelic clouds that are well, up above. Let's ask again, why? Why is your, why do you have a dumpster fire in your data center? Some of those reasons, you might try to put them in the cloud, and you're still going to have a dumpster fire in the cloud, right? So why do you have a dumpster fire in your data center? Valid question. I never did. My, my data either. centers were always pristine. Pristine, majestic. I've heard from other people. <laughs> I've heard. So if those are the things that cloud can't do for you, what is the cloud good for? Or is it good for anything? The cloud is good for a lot of different things, depending on what your requirements are. So give me some requirements that would well, indicate you to really you if, if, example, if I was, right? yeah, 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 go ahead. Obviously, I work for Veeam Software and we do a lot of backing up and recovering of stuff, right? Kind of like what mm. Veeam does. It's expensive to keep a big old disk array in your data center to keep your backups for seven years or the really old stuff or blah, 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 blah. The cloud could be a really good use case there. Send it up to the cloud. I don't have to pay for power, cooling, maintenance, et cetera, for this big honking disk array that just sits there and collects dust. And when it gets too expensive to maintain, I don't have to keep maintaining it or migrate off of it. I just send it to the cloud. It sits there for however long I need it to sit there to do my requirements, and we're good to go. That is an excellent use case right there. That's the most boring use case, too, I got to say. <laughs> Very boring person, Ethan. I will have you know that. I am one of the most boring individuals you will ever meet. But, so, okay. I understand your point, though. When That's a good you, starting you, when you point, bring though, that, too. That use case That's a up, good starting point. There's a, there's a cost-benefit anal cost analysis that's being done there. And there's a performance requirement being done there. If you're doing deep archive backups, you're not touching most of that data most of the time. It's just going to sit there in case and hopefully in case doesn't come up very often. 
All right, well, let's flip this on its head then and go from what would be kind of a business necessary but boring use case for the cloud to something more on the compute side. When am I putting a workload in the cloud in, in your mind? And that would make sense. So again, it depends. I think one really good use case out. I don't really want to talk about networking today, but I hear a lot of people know a lot about networking. <laughs> and I would say I've actually been immersed in the cloud a little more than usual in the last couple of weeks. Networking, I think, is one of the most annoying parts of it, right? So let's say you have all your networking ironed out and everything works great before I give this little use case. Um, first workloads, right? I have, maybe I'm a business that I see a big seasonal increase for whatever holiday is coming up, right? And for me to be able to accommodate that workload, I can't do it on-prem. So I can go spin up whatever extra capacity I need to in the cloud, burst up there for whatever holiday seasonal use case I have, Maybe it's something else like end of quarter processing. I don't know. Something that isn't going to be around for a long time. Mm. Do everything up in the cloud and then throw it away when I'm done. Right? That's a, is that probably another boring use case you're going to say, isn't it? Well, it, it, it's not boring so much. But you know what both of those use cases you've cited have in common? Neither of them are primary, like, this is a major way I would use the cloud as, a, as, a, as my primary place to put workloads and stuff. But, it, it, I mean, I'm not digging for another use case, Melissa, but I... What is helpful to understand, since the premise of this is you kind of don't like the cloud, you kind of hate the cloud. All right. I'll give you, how about I give you a legit one? Okay, go ahead. Okay. Let's say that, again, I'm at capacity in my physical data center. I've reached power cooling max, electricity max, data centers full. I either need to build a new data center or find someplace else to host my workloads. Mm -hmm. Right. So once I do the cost analysis on building a data center, getting the equipment, building it out, having the people to run it, or I can look at a major hyperscaler cloud provider, or even a service provider, right? That's another form of cloud. Some other place to put my data. I might say, you know what? Maybe it's time that we think, get out of this data center business because us running, operating a data center doesn't really drive value for our business. We're a, trying to think, we're a gluten-free cookie company. We don't care about a data center. It doesn't get us anywhere. We don't innovate through the use of technology or data center. So maybe it makes sense for us to start getting out of this game and not having to maintain these facilities and equipment, all that stuff. And maybe the cloud is a really good use case for us because we can focus more on baking great gluten-free cookies instead of making sure the data center is running properly. Man, is that less boring? Is that less boring? <laughs> talk about trends and and hype, gluten free. I I just bought some cured meats like a, a couple days ago, and it had zero trans fat. Because remember that was the thing for a while, big hype. Yeah, that was okay. And it said gluten free on it. I'm like, yeah, because meat be gluten free. <laughs> it's meat. meat. I eat mostly meat because it's gluten free. Like, and I I swear there was something else on the label too, and it was all just like three <laughs> I hope hype it wasn't things. Vegan, <laughs> keto friendly. Uh, no. Yeah. Why not? So, I mean, cloud, there, a lot of hype. And you cited that as one of the things that really bothered you is there was so much hype right. around cloud, but not necessarily all the good use cases to back it up, especially in the early days. Right, absolutely. What other aspects of the cloud do you think are are, are negatives or, or things that would cause you to stay on premises as opposed to adopting a public cloud? I think a lot of it will come back to your people, right? If you have an organization full of people like me that perce perceivingly don't like the cloud or don't want to learn a new technology, that could be a big problem for adoption too, right? Or maybe 
People just say, oh, well, you know, I'm used to XYZ hypervisor. That's what I use. That's what I'm comfortable with. I'm not going to go learn that new platform. So there's a human element too. Mm -hmm. But again, you could have the CIO send an email and say, our new directive is amazing, majestic cloud. So we all need to start using it. And maybe that'll help. But again, I've seen a lot of those emails go out and I've heard a lot of customers say, well, the CIO says so, but not, they haven't always explained their logic. And I feel like when you get to that, C-level leadership level, it's their responsibility too to educate the IT organization of why we're going to the cloud, not just because I said so. Is there vision coming from the C-suite, Melissa, these days, at least from what you're hearing, where it's it's migrated, where where it's migrated from the old argument of we're going to save money and gone to maybe a new argument about agility? The cloud is not a charity. You ain't going to save money necessarily. Well, um, well, exactly. Yeah. And that's the root of the question because the C-suite does seem to be finally getting it. This isn't about saving money moving to the it cloud. It's really about transforming how we do it's about our IT agility ops. agility and, yes, transforming IT ops and getting out of that physical real estate data center business too, right? Because, again, unless you're, unless you're innovating in that space, what does it get you at this point? Other than control, right? If for some reason right. you need control... All right, then I guess you're going to do everything in your data center. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the cost thing is definitely, I think we've, we've seen that ship sail. And some of the newer arguments that I've seen have been more around that agility. Do you think there's the possibility of moving the cloud operation model from cloud, actual public cloud, to just adopting it on-prem instead and not making that migration well, it depends on what how you're going to consume the cloud. I think that's one of the reasons that some of the VMware branded clouds have done so well, because you can basically keep your operations model 95% of the same, I'm going to say, because somebody still needs to go into the cloud control panel or portal or whatever they call it and actually deploy vCR, right? You still have to log into the cloud at some point. You still have to do <laughs> a little bit of cloud stuff, right? But I think that's part of the reason that model has been successful because, hey, I get out of the data center game, but I can leverage those same operational skills. Look, any kind of skill change in an organization is always a struggle. People don't like to change. It's just like a human thing. Like people don't (laughs) like change. If I've been making the same widget the same way for 20 years, and you're going to tell me, well, we're going to make the same widget, but we're going to do it a new way. Well, I'm used to my way. My way is great. Why do I want to use this new way? Unless you can prove to me that it's better. Right. So let's say you are a VMware architect working at a company. Oh, really? And uh, imagine that. And <laughs> so funny. someone someone rolls along and they they said, you know, we're going to start migrating our applications to the cloud. Uh, what are the key questions that you would want to ask them to dig deeper behind that? Obviously, I'm going to ask them why they're doing it again, right? And agility, perfect answer. Cost, maybe we should go back, but it goes back to why are we doing this? And then proper planning, taking the time to say, okay, how are we going to do this? Are we going to do it in stages? Are we doing it by application? Are we doing it by data center? Are we doing it by vSphere cluster? Let's start down and have a good session where we understand everything we have today in our data center, and we put together a plan to get it all into the cloud. And how long does that plan take? Do I have time constraints around it? Can I take my time and do things the right way? Or is it just, no, you need to go to the cloud right now because we have no more space on-prem. Like, go, go, go. You just said the right way. And it sounded like earlier you were describing kind of a lift and shift. Let's figure out what we've got and get it up there. Yeah. So it, it kind of depends, right? If you just like, oh, man, I have this really troublesome application. It runs like garbage. That's my first candidate to move to the cloud. And I'm just going to shift it right over. 
Ansar might still run like garbage because there's probably something else wrong with it that the cloud is not going <laughs> to fix. And I think a lot of people uh, don't realize maybe problems they have on-prem and then they might notice them in the cloud because, you know, I've never really looked at this application before, but, you know, they, they complain sometimes, but I kind of ignore them. But again, moving things is a great opportunity for app owners to be like, well, it was kind of okay yesterday and it's no longer okay now. And I know you moved it to the cloud last night. So you need to get in there and you need to fix it. It was garbage. Now it's hot garbage. Yeah, it was garbage, <laughs> but now it's like a flaming dumpster. So you need to fix that. <laughs> yeah. And so often that comes down to things like poor planning, which right? you mentioned, and not understanding the application dependencies in your environment. So that application that was just kind of functioning okay, well, it was relying on this other application. And now that we didn't those, move yet. Oh, right. No. So <laughs> those two applications are no longer sitting next to each other. They are now sitting 50 milliseconds or 100 milliseconds mm -hmm. away through a, a pipe that might not be that big yet. And oopsie daisy. <laughs> it happens. Oops. It, it does. Yeah. So, I, okay. So if I am thinking about the cloud or I've gotten that directive, start Please with take the why. your time. Please take and, your time. And, Please figure out why you're doing this and take your time and plan it properly, right? Would you just, right. okay, I shouldn't answer this because I literally have done this. Would you just like go migrate your whole data center? I've done that actually. Like we had a project where we're closing the data center in six months. You got to get it all out because we're going to close it. Just go, go, go. And it was just go, go, go. And it was challenging, but that's how it was done because there was this artificial time constraint, but whatever. That's so, a really interesting situation. And I, I feel like you might have some scars from it. And I, I don't bitter. want you to revisit trauma. I'm still but bitter. I, I would like you to dig into that a little bit more because yeah. I think, especially for the audience, that sounds like a really interesting project where you probably learned a ton that maybe you didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. So my company was acquired and they just like looked at the calendar and said, we want everything out of the data center by then. Go okay. do it go do it. And you can't do the things that like we would come up with all these ideas. No, 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 no. And it got to the point where we just had to like pick a plan and go. So it was interesting. And it's funny because again, this was, this was probably 2011. They're literally the most ironic thing to me is one of the products I work with at Veeam. It's called Veeam Disaster Recovery Orchestrator. It literally does exactly what I did manually for six months of my life. <laughs> like I could like click a button and be done. Besides the P to V part, okay, I could back it up, restore it to VM, you know, whatever. But besides the P to V, the actual, okay, so we P to V'd it and then we migrated it to the NAP storage and we replicated it for a week and then we turned it off and we mounted the storage and we registered to vSphere and we ran a bunch of stupid scripts to convert it to the new systems. Like that's all I did for six months. It was horrible. Um, and today there's stuff out there that like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm done. Have a nice day. Yeah, I've worked with, I haven't worked with the, the Veeam software specifically, but Azure has a migration tool. It's a disaster recovery tool, but the thing about disaster recovery tools it's just, is- uh, Migration is just a disaster recovery you actually plan for. It's the same exactly. thing. <laughs> and you have to be able to deal with the uh, whatever the loss that you would have. So you have to gracefully shut that application down, do the last replication and bring it up in the new environment. But the nice thing is just you can you can test bringing it up in the new environment. Yeah, and see a if bunch. it's actually going to work until you yeah. get it there and be like- I don't know what's uh, going yeah, on here. I, until a user start hitting it and they're like, oh, we totally missized this thing. Uh, we should have put this on faster. Well, disk. I was doing P to V's while Ooh. I was migrating them. So That's it came brutal. to a point where we had to like P to V. And then like, I think we ended up P to V'ing and then waiting two weeks 
and then cutting over because when we were doing it so close together, like people were just going nuts. And like, they were like making up issues like, oh, because it, it was because you peed of would me. I'm like, no, it wasn't. You're like crazy. But that was like a thing because people knew things were changing. Well, you converted me to from physical to virtual. Okay, that old garbage server that like doesn't even have support on it anymore and it's completely trash with like one CPU and two gigs of RAM. Trust me, the VM is better. Like you, you're not worse <laughs> off than you were before. Oh, um, I, I fought that battle. But. Yeah, and P to V is cool. <laughs> at least the cloud, you don't usually have to do P to Vs. You're usually sending virtual stuff or building new. Like you lose that P to V element. Can you imagine doing a P to V to the cloud? Maybe I'm going to, I might go do that later, actually, like just for fun. I think I will. Go for it. Um, <laughs> I've actually done it. So in case you're I've never done that before. Now I oh, have to. I, I moved a RHEL 6 box that was running SAP up to Azure <laughs> using their migration tool. And it worked. Oh, <laughs> That's wow. the serious thing. <laughs> it took a long time, but it did work eventually. Yeah. So I, that sounds like a nightmare from a planning perspective, too, because you yeah. have to coordinate not just between the technical teams, but yeah, also the application the app- owners, too, right? And again, those application dependencies, I can't tell you how many of those we missed. And then it was like a week or two of, because we used to call it the bus, right? We sent the bus down to the new data center, which was just the replicated volume. So we let it replicate for a week and then cut over. We were watching the bus all week long to make sure it would make it on time. Like it was crazy. But like sometimes we would like have to change the priority because, you know, the bus parked in the new data center and we realized we forgot a bunch of stuff. So, all right, that goes right on the next bus and bunts that stuff off. Mm-hmm. And it was just poorly executed. Oh, oh that sounds, well, I'm glad you survived. I did. That's, I guess, that's what I can say at the end. But I can see how that might make you unhappy with the cloud a little bit, mm-hmm. or at least bit, that that project in, in particular. Uh, sounds like you could use a therapist. <laughs> really? Do they make well, like therapists for the cloud? Well, they do. My buddy, Bobby Allen, who's now over at Turbonomic. You don't uh, mean IBM? Uh, well, yeah, I guess now. Wow. Yep. So that did that last week. That happened. Uh, it's going to take me a while to process that one. So he has called himself a cloud therapist. In fact, that is his title on LinkedIn is cloud therapist. Which, allow, which, can I read what he calls a cloud therapist? Allow me to read this. Yeah, absolutely. Cloud therapy to me is really two things. One, I'm focused more on how I can help you than what I can sell you. And number two, I'm there to tell you what you need to know, not what you want to hear. I actually agree with that a thousand percent. I think I might be some kind of cloud therapist, cloud coach too, because I'm always (laughs) trying to dig down to why are we doing this? And here's the stuff you really need to know. Like you're trying to like ignore, oh, I'm just going to send that flaming dumpster up there and maybe it will be okay. Like it's not going to be okay. Like it's just not. (laughs) I actually really like that. And I think we need more of that instead of just like, hey, let's go to the cloud and everything will be fine. Like how many, how many vendors will be like, we need to just like stop and like plan this. Like instead of, yes, please give me your money and let's go to the cloud today. Yeah. I mean, as someone who worked for a VAR and did cons- cloud style consulting, we were not beholden to a number with Azure or AWS. Mm-hmm. So we actually were able to ask those questions and say, do you really exactly, need to right? move? Because if you move to the cloud, that's fine. But if you want to stay on-prem, I can sell you hardware. No, I, I don't care either. I'm kind of like that with Veeam. Like Veeam kind of has a solution for on-prem cloud. I'm like, I don't really care what you want to do. I'm here to help you. And I'm here to help you in the best way possible. So There's a catch here with this moving to the cloud thing, though. Ned, this has come up a bunch of times. And it goes back to that idea of doing it right. That is, if you're just going to pick up a workload and dump it in IaaS and call it done, you didn't change, nothing changed except for where that compute is happening. 
that move is all about operational change. And that's the that's the sticking point. The human there, element, th- there's, right? Well, it's the human element, but there's also an architectural element. If you need to rethink how your app is delivered so that it is cloud-native, cloud-friendly, cost-optimized like and It's like this is an opportunity, so right? Is this not almost an opportunity? But I can who's take got that the garbage time for that? application. That's the problem, right? Because right. back to planning. I got this garbage application that's like so important to my company, but it's trash. Maybe we take the time to re-architect it up there, take advantage of the things you can actually get out of the cloud that you don't have on-prem and do it the right way and make it better going forward instead of just being like, or, or just well, modernize I'm just going to send it to VMC and it'll be fine. That Sometimes that modernization, the opportunity, taking the time, putting the project together, getting the people on board to make it happen is sometimes so difficult that you can't pull it off. Going back 20 years, this has been a problem in IT, but pre-cloud, I, I was supporting a shop that had a, a big app running on a mainframe. That mainframe cost some ridiculous six-figure amount of money per year to keep that thing going. There was a project instantiated to take the app that was sitting on that mainframe, move it off to, I think it was uh, some kind of an IBM platform that was more uh, client server friendly, smaller, x86 based, and it would save an enormous amount of money. Didn't happen because couldn't put it together, couldn't get the people behind it, couldn't drive the, the, that project ahead. And it's, it feels like it's 20 years later. Now it's the same thing. Instead of a mainframe, we're talking about a data center and we're talking about trying to get things re-architected for cloud. And we just can't, no, we just can't do it somehow. Yeah. I mean, that stuff is kind of hard to, again, it comes back to people and just the, the function of an organization, right? I can't tell you how many times I've even seen that just going to a new VMware environment, right? Well, this is garbage. We should fix it going forward. But we didn't because no one could agree on anything. So I think it's it's really hard. <laughs> and part of that kind of almost cloud analysis phase when you identify the applicational stuff, maybe we should like try to put some dollars around it and say, I could not that I could save money with the cloud, but like if this application ran better or I could make it faster or I could do it with less or whatever, what does that mean to my business? Can I make more money if I make this better? Can I lose less money if I make this better, right? Like what can I do and how can I tie that to some kind of business driver or dollar amount to make the people in the organization see that this is something that we should spend time on? Yeah, that, there you go. If there's a business opportunity that's being created by moving to this new model of delivering IT services, can you then get the force of will required within an organization to drive the project ahead? And I think the answer is yes, but it's an incredibly hard conversation to have. It is. I, I, Melissa, you've mentioned this several times. People don't like change. They don't want you to move their cheese. I don't know if you've ever heard <laughs> that wonderful expression. I, I like did the one mouse consult- and the cheese? like. Uh, kind of like you moved where my cheese is. There's a book called Who Moved My Cheese, which I refuse to read just to, <laughs> based off of the title alone. But I did this one consulting engagement where one of the people there had read the book and was clearly obsessed with it and mentioned people don't like their cheese being moved at, at, in every conversation we had, which really, you know, drilled mm-hmm. into my head. But the point is, yeah, people don't like change and people don't like changing the way they do things. They right. also don't like things being in a different place. They have an expectation, and if you don't sort of gently prod them towards new expectation, then they're going to react I mean, honestly, you have the same problem on-premises when you go to the new version of the vSphere client. I know there hasn't been like a new one in a while, but from the the (laughs) C-sharp client to the web client to the now HTML5 vSphere client, right? That was a big operational change. Like, 
each of those three transitions. That was gigantic. And if you survived it, and I keep going back to VMware examples, if you survived that, well, you can probably survive logging into whatever cloud is your favorite at this point, right? <laughs> but again, it comes back to education, training, getting people used to things. And like, that's a good example. Like you don't almost don't have a choice in some of those cases. Like literally there's no more C-sharp client after a certain version. You can't anymore. Like they mm. forced it eventually, right? So, you know, people are just resistant today, but we maybe part of it is tying it back to examples of times that, you know, okay, whatever software we use, well, when we updated the latest version, it completely changed the UI. You survived that. So maybe we can survive this too. Right. People like doing things the way that they do them. And you have to show them that tangible benefit. And businesses right. are this are just like a bunch of people. <laughs> businesses are made of people and businesses <laughs> have momentum. Can and I quote like you on that? <laughs> businesses are made of people. <laughs> I think seriously, I think people forget that sometimes. That yeah. businesses are just made of a bunch of people that all have some sort of cultural momentum behind them. And if you're going to shift that momentum, there has to be really good reasons behind it, or you have to do it by fiat. And when you do it by fiat, that CIO directive, it's not going to go well. Unless, again, your CIO is explaining, here is why we're doing this, and it makes sense for our business and our organization. Versus, nah, I, I spun the wheel of cloud and I landed on Azure. We're going to Azure. <laughs> Woohoo! So, Melissa, serious question here. The premise of this has been that you you hate the cloud. When the right reason comes out of the C-suite for why we're moving to cloud, are you okay then? Absolutely. If the cloud meets your requirements, go for it. I love the cloud if it does what I want it to. You're not arguing that the cloud doesn't really live up to the hype at this point or that we can just deliver it all on-prem and do pretty much the same thing. I mean, if you had enough money, you could do anything <laughs> anywhere, right? No, I'm, I, I kind of say I hate the cloud because to try to counteract some of that cloud hype, hmm. right? Because I feel like it is a little too hype still. And because of the hype, people are just going in and not planning properly. That's probably my biggest pet peeve with the cloud. That people are like, oh, I got my credit card, let's go, woohoo. And you don't do the proper planning up front, you're not gonna have a good cloud experience and you're gonna end up hating the cloud. Hello. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ah, geez. So if you do make that move to the cloud yes, and things are not working well, do you just tough it out or is there a use case or is there like a case to be made for moving stuff back? You know, I think it depends on when you say it's a dumpster fire. Is it a dumpster fire operationally? Is it a dumpster fire because it's not working right and we're losing money? Like what is the reason for the dumpster fire? I don't think there's anything wrong with bringing it back until you can plan it the right way. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know what? This isn't serving our business. Let's revert until we can figure it out. I also think that's, I don't know if I should say this or not, right? The VMware-based cloud solutions can also be a good intermediary type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I have no choice. I have to get off now because I'm out of space in my data center. Let me go here. That gets me out and take my time and evaluate. Would these applications be better served deployed in a cloud-native manner versus as a VM? And at that point, maybe some of your workloads become cloud native and maybe some of them are okay as VMs and they stay that way. That's fine too. Yeah. VMware's made that argument that if you go to VMC, then it could be that for the life cycle of that app, whatever it is, that is its maybe final you stay cloud there. resting place. And then place. next yeah. time you go cloud native, I'm actually doing a project, a project on a unnamed VMware cloud. I will not say which one I'm playing with <laughs> right now, but I like literally have 
cloud native stuff talking to my vSphere environment because yeah. I have a reason to do that. And it's actually pretty cool. I'm going to say that. One of my favorite parts about, and it's not really cloud specifically, but it's something that was enabled by cloud is the automation and sort of CI, CD pipeline, all infrastructures. Anybody all remember Lab things. Manager back in the day? Oh, lab oh. Manager. Why would you bring that up? Long live Lab <laughs> Manager. Sorry. I mean, for, for, for listeners who aren't familiar, do you want to <laughs> describe it a, like a little bit? Lab Manager eventually became, what is it even called now? VMware Cloud Director? No? Yeah. Used to be well, called director, and I had another name before that between did, lab yeah. manager and VCD. I can't remember what it was, but it was kind of like the beginnings of some kind of self service VMware stuff. It was pretty cool. We were using it in our little cloud on prem. Mm -hmm. Why not? It was the cloud. So I was like an early adopter of a lot of really weird VMware stuff that didn't make it necessarily. <laughs> but I, every time I see vCloud director, like Anthony Spateri on my team is like the VCD guy. And every time he tweet, uh, he does something on VCI, just like tweet back, long live lab manager. <laughs> Why not? Oh, I, I used it a little bit and I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then, well, it got more complicated and I just, I don't know. It always made me a little bit sad, I think, because I feel like VMware had a moment where they could have copied what AWS and Azure were doing with their mm -hmm. portal and made it very friendly to the end user, not the VM admin, but the actual right. end user. And they didn't end up doing that for, for whatever reason. And I always feel like that was a miss. But th that's the thing I like so much about the cloud is it does have that friendly console for the end user. It does have the API. You logged to into the cloud lately. I actually, I will say this, and this is how far I've come in the last year and a half. Talking to someone on my team about something, I'm like, does it have an API? Can I just use the <laughs> API? I don't want to do this. Does it have an API? Oh, my goodness. So like that is how far I've come in the last, I, I actually figured it out. I've been like dragged like seriously into the cloud for about a year and a half now. Rick Vanover, Veeam is my boss. And like one day basically told me, he's like, you're doing cloud now. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. But I actually really do enjoy like the APIs and stuff like that. And I even have started using APIs not in the cloud with on-prem <gasps> stuff, believe it or not. Like I'm actually digging some of this stuff. So there's definitely like lessons you can take from the cloud and apply in your data center to make things better too as well, right? Yeah. It, so you, By the you way, started... it didn't have an API. I have to do it manually. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> well, that shed a tear. Pour one out. That That is sad. Oh, no. Can I just, no. Can, can I, please? I, it always amazes me when any cloud introduces something that's only available in the portal. I'm like, what are you doing? <sighs> so you've been immersed in the cloud for, a, you know, a little while now. I'm still pretty immersed in the data center too. Like I'm pretty. pretty still so yeah. are there some positive examples that you've been, or projects you've been on that have been adopting cloud properly? And, and if so, what, what were the, lessons you learned from those? So I've actually seen a lot of customers be really successful in the cloud. And it's usually when they've taken the time to decide what is our cloud strategy as a company. I see a lot of people using multiple clouds as well, <gasps> where they haven't decided, I haven't spun the wheel of cloud and decided on Google and just stuck everything in Google, right? Because God, you guys are going to have another rant coming. One of the big <laughs> things that I don't like is when you like architect badly in the cloud. I'm just going to put everything in the same availability zone and mm. we're good to go. So like the cloud is like a data center, right? It's got little physical constructs and it is a server someplace. So would you put everything in one data center? Probably not. 
So stuff like that kind of irks me up. But the most successful I've seen where people have actually taken the time and been choosy about what they send. And a lot of times people aren't sending the hardest apps first. They're sending something that's not as critical because if it takes us a while to figure out the networking, like that's okay because no one's using it as much. Or they're taking that app that like, Maybe it is more critical, but this is the app we wrote in-house and we know it really well. So if we want to rejigger it for the cloud, we have the skills in-house to do that versus, oh, we bought this off the shelf. How are we going to get it in the cloud, right? Is that actually pretty common, Melissa, where some of the success stories have developer-driven organization or at least a developer-driven app that's something built in-house? So it's that process thing. It's easy then, right? mm -hmm. It's easy to do that versus, oh, well, we don't have that guy who wrote this app anymore. I don't know, whatever. Well, there's a process thing here too, right? So if you're developing apps in-house as opposed to buying them and consuming them, you have this this pipeline and workflow. It's a lot easier to do that, right? To start changing that and adapt it to the cloud versus, well, you know, I talked to the software vendor and I can use a Windows VM in AWS to run it, but it's going to run just like what it does now. It's not going to change anything. But hey, that still might work, right? Because you got Windows in the cloud. I can get Linux in the cloud. I can get anything I want. It's the cloud. Yeah. AWS is the largest consumer of Windows licenses. Is it really? I didn't know that. It certainly is. A lot of Windows workloads in AWS, which is... Yeah, right? Which is fine. Like, you don't have to... You don't have to even... And you don't have to be that developer-driven person or organization like let's say melissa's gluten-free cookie company of one person right if it was me trying to move my whole infrastructure to the cloud i'm not a developer let's say i'm using a lot of windows and off-the-shelf apps chances are if i take a good look at that app its dependencies its components and how it communicates i can still successfully put it in the cloud right mm-hmm. but it might take or a little ch- more work i was going to say chances are for a lot of that cots stuff there's a software as a service out there that just does it that's now. true we haven't even talked about that yet Melissa's gluten-free cookie company as a service. <laughs> as a service. <laughs> Only if it's trans fat free. Because I, I can't take any grams of that, you know, in my cookies. Are we all right? We're eating cookies right now. Or cookies. biscuits. I hear they're also called sometimes. Across the pond, they're biscuits, right? <laughs> well, Melissa, this has been a fascinating conversation into why you hate, but maybe don't actually hate the cloud. I, I don't hate the cloud. I hate bad implementations of the cloud. I hate watching people suffer trying to migrate to the cloud. I hate when people don't have the opportunity to do it the right way because someone said, hey, let me spin the wheel of cloud. We're going to AWS. Woohoo! Like that's we, what we I don't like. We, of course we got all three, right? <laughs> I have a really funny story about how I picked my favorite cloud too. So if anybody knows me, I'm very big into rocket launches in space. So there's three big cloud providers, right? Microsoft Azure, Amazon Web Services, and Google Platform. I've never been a Microsoft person. I don't have an Xbox, just not happy, happy Microsoft. So Azure, you're out. Which brings us to AWS and Google Cloud Platform. This has nothing to do with the cloud. It's hilarious. This is some of my illustrations on how people get crazy over picking their favorite cloud. So we've got... AWF with Jeff Bezos, who I know he's not there anymore, but he was, and he is a rocket company and he's Mm -hmm. worth billions and billions of dollars and he can't get a rocket to orbit. If you gave me a billion dollars, I'm pretty sure I could get a rocket to orbit. (laughs) And then we have Google of Google Cloud Platform and Google was actually a very early investor in SpaceX. So therefore, Google Cloud Platform is my favorite cloud. Because of SpaceX. Yes. 
That makes perfect sense. It doesn't to me. matter. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Just pick the cloud that meets your requirements and works best for you. Really, it doesn't matter which one you pick. It's just someone else's computer. All right. Well, to to sum up the whole episode, <laughs> what are your key takeaways about it? First and foremost, if you're faced with an adoption or migration to the cloud, ask why. Why are you doing it? Are you doing it because someone spun the full wheel of cloud and said? Alibaba, like who knows, right? What What is your motivation? What are the business drivers? And then take the time to do it right, right? That's my number two, take the time to do it right. If you can't, you know, do that intermediary step. If you're a big VMware shop, use a VMware cloud solution, at least get the stuff, release the pressure from your data center if you're out of space or whatever, and then take your time and do it right. And then cloud might not be the answer for every application right now. And that's okay. Just because everybody else is going all in on the cloud or everybody else is moving to the cloud, if it doesn't make sense for you and it doesn't meet your requirements, it's okay not to go yet, or it's okay not to go all in yet. Does that mean ROI to you as far as why it might not be the answer or just it could be anything? It could be anything, right? ROI, I think we talked about the cloud isn't a charity, so maybe you're not saving <laughs> money. But, you know, if it just doesn't fit or you can't do it right right now, but, you know, in six months, we're starting a new infrastructure refresh plan. So maybe in six months, we start our planning or we plan now to move in a year or something like that. That's okay, too. You don't have to go to the cloud right this very second. It'll be there when you're ready. It'll be there. It's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> All right. Well, Melissa, why don't you tell the good folks out there where they can find more of your, your interesting thoughts and ramblings. My interesting thoughts and ramblings. Uh, best place to start is probably my website, vmiss.net. You can also find me on YouTube, Twitter, and a lot of random different places on the internet. So start with my website, vmiss.net, and go from there. Awesome. That, that's a good place to find it. That's vmiss.net. So definitely check it out. In fact, I think you have a I Hate Cloud rant on there right now. I do actually, <laughs> as a matter of fact. And the number of people that didn't actually read it and just came at me was astounding. And I said to them, go read it and then come back and tell me that I'm an idiot. And I was like, no, actually, I kind of agree with you. So... Wait, are you saying people just read the title and don't read the whole thing? What do you mean? You hate the cloud. <laughs> Go read the blog post. Oh, dear. Well, Melissa Palmer, thank you so much for being a guest today on Day 2 Cloud. Thank you for having me so much. And as you can tell after listening to me talk a lot, I don't necessarily 100% hate the cloud all the time. I just want everybody to be successful in their cloud endeavors. That's all. You're a cloud therapist. That's, that's what you are. Okay. okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. And hey, listener out there, virtual high fives to you for tuning in and checking out what Melissa had to say about the cloud. You know, if you've got suggestions for future shows or guests you want us to have on the show, we want to hear about it. You can hit either of us up on Twitter at Day2CloudShow, or you can fill out the form on my fancy website, nedinthecloud.com. You know, if you happen to be a vendor of some kind and you've got a way cool cloud product you want to share with an audience of IT professionals, you can become a day two cloud sponsor. You'll reach several thousand listeners, all of whom have problems to solve. Maybe your product fixes their problem. We're not going to know unless you tell them about your amazing solution. And you can find out more about this at packetpushers.net slash sponsorship. Until next time, just remember, cloud is what happens while IT is making other plans.